0: In episode 23 of Mobycast, John and Chris dive into another Kelsis case study. This time, we chat about troubleshooting container disk space. Welcome to Mobycast, a weekly conversation about containerization, Docker, and modern software deployment. Let's jump right in.
1: Here we go, another Mobycast. Welcome, producer Rich, and welcome, Chris.
0: Hey. Hi, John. Hi, Rich how's it going today rich oh it's going pretty good i've been fighting uh, with some facebook ads and trying to figure out why some of the stuff that we've been working on is becoming unpredictable so and uh just knee deep in that i think you need more
1: newts in the cauldron (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah
2: and how about you chris what are you up to um not much just uh normal kind of normal week heads down um working on um, some client projects and again, kind of the usual of some, some big releases and new features and whatnot and getting those tested and deployed to production.
1: Cool. And as for me this week, I was supposed to be in Michigan this week, but I had a back injury that made me feel like it wasn't going to be a good idea to spend all day in a plane and in cars. So stayed home. Um, and, and you know, if you feel, if you hear pain in my voice, that's what that's from. And then, uh, the other thing that's, that's kind of fun that's going on this week. I'll just put this out there into the world is that we're trying to get a, a spot to talk at reinvent. Um, so by putting that in, out there into the world, I hope that you are, are as hopeful as we are that we get that opportunity to tell one of our stories, um, at that big conference. So I've been working on that with our AWS partner a little bit this week. All right. So this week we're going to be discussing this is, these are our favorite kinds of, of episodes. We're going to be discussing a real life production outage type of situation i guess i don't know i can't remember if it was an outage but it was at least the alarms blaring and things not working the way we wanted them to type of situation i guess maybe chris if you'll just sort of set the stage tell us how the weather was and what was happening and how you found out about this and and just kind of tell us how
2: we got into it Sure. Yeah. It was uh Tuesday morning. I think there was a light, light drizzle of rain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, so literally what happened was, you know, it's kind of like the, um, what typically happens in these kinds of cases where, um, things were working fine. And then all of a sudden they're not. So, um, come in in the morning and see that one of the applications that, um, that we use for doing some reporting on some of our applications just started. Throwing in lots of errors, um, and so we saw that in our alerting systems, and obviously mm-hmm. something that we need to go look into and, and figure out why. Um, it was caught pretty early in the morning um, by some of our developers, um, and they were kind of scratching their heads over what was going on. And so the the short term fix was um, literally turn it off and turn it back on again, right? So kill the the existing um, containers that were were hosting that application and restart them and when they restarted them the errors went away. And I think that also for stories like this it just it's just kind of nice to know so was
1: this something that was invisible to real users or were real users like having problems and and we were kind of like uh-oh we got to help with our with the users out there that are not that are seeing errors or or outages or something. Just uh,
2: how yeah, no. As it, as it, so this was a, um, uh, a reporting application for internal users and they definitely were seeing this as um, application failures that was preventing them from, from actually using the tool. Okay. So, so, so not only were our alert systems complaining but we were also getting real complaints from, from actual users that were trying to use it as just part of the normal day-to-day business. And it's totally unsurprising with the reporting system.
1: Um, you know, that's the first thing people do when they show up for work, when their job is to keep track of things is look at the reports. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So, um, they did the typical tech support move. Let's turn it off and turn it back on. So then what
2: happened from there? Right. So, uh so that fixed things, um, Oh, nice. Er- er- errors stopped. Um, and, uh, everyone was kind of happy again. And, um, kind of the developers file this away as like, okay, I need to figure out like what happened, but you know, phew, it's it's now working again. Right. Um, I think that's about the time that um, I came online and saw the errors and saw what happened and started asking some questions. And that's kind of where we're at now is to like, okay, let's, let's figure out like, why did these errors start happening? Um, what do we need to do to to make sure that it doesn't happen again? Um, Cause I'm definitely a huge believer in like, you do not want to have any mysteries whatsoever um, in your software. If if something happens, um, just getting it back into a good state, if you're not sure exactly how you got it back into a good state and why it's back in a good state, then you can't be happy with that because um, it will come back to bite you again. So it's really important to chase these things down, find out exactly what's going on um, so that you understand it and make sure that it doesn't happen again.
1: I see you're um, always make sure you understand what errors are all about and raise you. Um, error messages themselves are it's just been my experience that people have a tendency to not really read them or not really register them or not, or not realize how critical they are. And it's sort of surprising because as a developer, you often put error messages into your code. Um And so you then therefore know that the error message that you just put into your code can only be shown if something very, very specific happens in your code. Like that specific line of code has to be executed. Um So, it would stand to reason that as developers, when we troubleshoot, if we see an error message, um, that, that, like, that's just, that's the thing. Like, get to know the error messages, make sure you understand them. Um, it's very rare that it's common that an error message may be a bit of a rare red herring, but it's very uncommon that it has nothing to do with what's going wrong.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, you know, <laughs> error messages are pretty wonderful, right? Like, right. they, they, they help you good error messages and, um, just good error messages as just a, a software development um, practice will really save you so many hours of troubleshooting time, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to, to narrow down, like where exactly is this is this failing um, and why? So, so absolutely. Super so, did we have an error message? So we were seeing error messages. Uh, so maybe to. Bump up a bit. Um, okay. Application is um, again; it's a reporting application. Uh, it's it's actually it's a Ruby on Rails app, um, so it's 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 got a mixture of both the serving up the the, the front end uh, client as well as the the back end API calls and and making connections to databases and whatnot. Um, as part of that Ruby application, it also had some some caching. Features going on in it in order to you know obviously to to make to uh, take advantage of frequent lookups of data to, to um, for performance reasons, um, and so what was happening is the errors we were seeing is um, it was in that, um, so the, the actual error that we saw was was uh, something along the lines of is it the one uh, I have e- here erofs yeah, erofs right was the error code um, and so we. Kind of see like oh it's 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 got this error code E R O F S um, which um, indicates that it's a read only file system. it's read only file system error read only file system is what that code stands for and then it had okay. a path for the file that it was trying to um, access right, right? Um, and I said right because I was a,
1: so that's how I think about error messages I was like oh read only file system we're having an error about it somebody must be trying to do something other than read from it. Like right, they're trying yeah. to write through it or edit mm-hmm. it or yeah. delete
2: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then we see a a path, right? So it's like slash app slash temp slash cache slash, and then a bunch of other um, codes and digits and and whatnot. So that was the you know the error that was popping up. So obviously not necessarily an error code generated by our by us by by a developer, <laughs> but. Definitely an error code from an API call from a system call um, that that's get bubbling up, and this this gives us a pretty big hint on what's going on just by reading that error, right? So, like as you said, um, hey, we we have this error code that this is it says read-only file system. We have this word cache in this this file path. We also notice that this file path it's definitely um, local to the container, um, and so we can surmise that. Hmm, this is this is probably a disk space issue. Um oh, you know, it's either a disk space issue or it's for some reason, you know, some other reason the file systems now read only. Um like Yeah, that, I guess that's where my mind went
1: is like it wasn't happening, it wasn't happening, wasn't happening. So what suddenly changed to cause something to start writing to something that's claiming that it's read only.
2: Right. Yeah. Um and so and and so maybe it could be like a permissions thing, right? Like you could imagine, like if you went in kind of just took away right permissions to that particular directory or something like that, then you'd probably see something like this as well. Yep. Um but that's probably unlikely too in this case. Like that's one of the things we 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 know. Like we know that our machines um for the most part, they're like cattle, not pets. We're we're not going in there shelling into the machines and, and doing administrative commands on and and actually Doing anything with with app maintenance um, on the machine, so to have someone go in or something change permissions on a on a file or a directory, that seems a little um, unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the the more likely path was like, okay, maybe this, maybe this is a disk space issue. Um, so let's let's look into that. And so at that point, um, that's where it gets a little a little. Different, a little weird. Um, so we, we are running our, so this is this application, this, this Rails application is running, um, under Docker in a Docker container, um, on Amazon ECS. So it's, it's running on a a machine that's using the Amazon ECS optimized AMI. So it, so it, it, it's, it's running in, in, in that kind of environment. And, and that has a particular setup, um, as per the way that Amazon has created that AMI and, and, and optimized it. So, you know, one of the first things you do is you can go, like, let's go look at that machine, right? Let's go see the disk space. And so, um, you could do something like you could shell into that
0: machine and, and then do like a, a DF command. Hey, this is Rich. You might recognize me as the guy who introduces the show but is pretty much silent during the meat of the podcast. The truth is, these topics are oftentimes incredibly complex, and I'm just too inexperienced to provide much value. What you might not know is that John and Chris created the training product to help developers of all skill sets get caught up to speed on AWS and Docker. If you're like me and feel underwater in these conversations, head on over to ProDockerTrading.com and get on the mailing list for the inaugural course. Okay, let's dive back in. Just to
1: re-explain what you just said to make sure I understand we've got containers running. They're on an ECS instance, meaning we have an EC2 machine um, in our ECS cluster. And that EC2 machine, the kind of machine it is, is, is called this ECS-optimized AMI, which is a mouthful, but it's a special, special AMI, a special image, just for ECS machines. So you're gonna go in there and you wanna take a look at the containers running on that machine, or take a look at just the machine
2: itself. Yeah, I mean, so the the first thing would just be like, hey, let's go look and see, like, are we at a disk space? So mm-hmm. let's get on that machine. So we'll, we can we can we can see what what cluster um what cluster host this particular app was was running on was assigned to. Um, so shell into that machine, and we can do a DF. And so I gotta
1: say, I just have to say, look, logically, there there is a bit of a jump for me in my mind, and I, and I'm sorry to sidetrack the conversation, but but you going from error read-only file system to disk space issue, uh to me belies some previous experience because my mind doesn't go there. My mind would have, I think if it were me, just in, in sort of my limited experience, I would have been digging around in trying to figure out, okay, what writes to this directory? What is that thing that writes to this directory? How does it write to it? When does it write to it? What is it doing? Um, and I probably would have had to spend some time just learning what what it is writing to this cache directory and figure out why that could possibly be a problem. And, and it seems like you were able to skip right to thinking about disk space stuff.
2: Yeah, and yeah, definitely part of that might be um, experience. And just knowing that that error just by itself, if it had been um, maybe in a different environment, um, then absolutely it would be a bit more of a wild card. But given that we're running containers and the the file path here, was local to the container. Um, Again, th- these containers are meant to be immutable, so they just come and go as they please. There's a, they really shouldn't have much in the way of state, if any. Um, so to have... Per- so, so just the file that it's having, like, if it was a permissions thing or the, the read-only file system, is it's internal to the container, so it has n- it's not really on the host itself. Um, so and the fact that these things kind of spin up and spin down and come and go, um, that kind of, again, like leads more towards like, okay, there's, there's something else about the environment, um, on which this thing is running that's causing this. And it's, and again, it's probably not like a permissions thing or, okay. um, or something like that, that it's, and, and, the the, the air is a little, um, weird, right? Because it, yeah, yeah, it, sure. obviously, it would be much clearer, right, if it just said, you know, out of disk space, <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, but this is this is how it manifested. So, so um, if I were to follow
1: your logic, because I really am trying to connect the dots here for anybody that's listening, what what I'm hearing is basically in your mind, you're you're sort of like, okay, I know that nothing is changing permissions anywhere. I know that this these containers do have read-only file systems on them, and I also know that we're, we generally don't try to write anything to those read-only file systems. So maybe something is happening that's causing the container to have no other place to write but to try to write to that read-only file system. Maybe that's that's kind of what was going on in your mind.
2: Yep, absolutely. And okay. uh, maybe just another nuance to keep in mind that, um, you know, these these um, the file systems themselves that these containers write into, they're not, Necessarily read only. It's just the this error popped up as read only once it, mm-hmm. it it ran out of the spa- out, of, out of disk space. Right, so um, this particular app it was writing to its local file system, and it was uh, it's this because it's this Rails code um, feature for implementing a cache, and so it turns out it's it's, it's essentially it's using um, a file as a backing um, storage for the the cache entries. So. As it caches items um, it's now basically writing to a file, um, and that file happens to live within the container at that that slash app slash temp slash cache space so it's think of it as some scratch space that it's writing to mm-hmm. um, and again the 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 error that eventually happened was you know like it can no longer write to that um, and you know so why did that happen and so again, kind of looking at um you know, based upon previous experience and and issues and whatnot, like let's look at disk space. And again, if you if you look at the the free space on that host, on which the container is running, um, you know you'll notice that actually there's plenty of disk space. Um, I think on that particular machine, it was probably like only um, only thirty percent disk space was being utilized. So if you do like a df, you'll see like Huh, there's quite a bit of disk space here. Like what's going on? Um and then that's where uh it gets the 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 ECS optimized AMI, the way that it's configured comes into play. Um and it this is this is a common gotcha. So for anyone that's running uh containers on on Amazon ECS, um it's it's really important to know what that that's Op, that default ECS optimized AMI is doing so it's it it attaches two EBS volumes to your host. Um, one no, volume is um, it's been a bit EBS
1: is what again?
2: Elastic Block Service. Okay, great. So f- for all um, intents and purposes, can you think of that as just a way of like attaching a disk to a mm-hmm. to a virtual machine type thing? Um, so there's two of those. Um, volumes that are that are attached to these to these machines one is the normal one that we're all kind of used to and that's that's an 8 gig volume um, and that's the volume used to um, for the for the os basically for the virtual machine itself and so all the the code for the os um, and um, just normal stuff and that's what you'll see actually if you do it the normal DF command. You're, you're, you're seeing that volume. And so when you you see that, Hey, there's 30%, it's only using 30%. It's 30% of that eight gig volume. Okay. Um, There's a second volume. um, And that volume is uh, at least 22 gigabytes in size, and you can change it and make it bigger if you want. Um, But that is the volume that is used for the Docker Used for Docker, for all of Docker's image and metadata storage. Okay. And the interesting thing about that, that one is configured as an, as a LVM device, um, LVM's logical volume man- management, uh, technology. And so it's done at a different level. Um, and it's just that those volumes aren't going to, they're, they're not mounted. Um, and so you're not going to see them with the normal, um, Commands like, like DF. So you're going to have to look, um, using some other tools. And I guess maybe before getting too much deeper than that is just the reason why this is important is because of this, this, um, particular nuance here that the Rails application, the disk space it ran out of is basically disk space. Of that for the um, that the container was trying to write to in its in its own local file system, right? So, right. we have to ask ourselves, like, well, where is that being like, where is that being backed by? Um, and so, because it's a Docker container, it's actually this is managed by Docker itself, and so it's it's where Docker is is storing the image. It's it's where Docker is using its image metadata storage, and so it turns out that again on this ECS optimized AMI, that's on this LVM. Thing so okay. that's why just doing a DF and seeing you have disk space available. Well, you may not have disk space actually because this is this is a Docker, um, you know, container that ran out of disk space. So you need to look at the Docker storage, and so you have to use other techniques to see that. Okay, that makes sense. So then I think that's what you did. Yeah. So then, um, and, and there's a couple of th- there's 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 a bunch of. Um, there's various levels of detail that you can go into here. So, um, some, some quick things to do, like just in general, when, when things go wrong with, with your containers running, um, you can look at the Docker daemon logs, um, as, 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 as one way of of just doing a first pass. So those are at typically like at var log Docker, and you can go and and tail that log and, and see if there's errors in there. Um, in this particular case there were errors being thrown in there um, indicating that hey that it has a problem with disk space um, uh-huh. so that that's a that's a big clue you can also do things like on the host you can use things like dmessage to see critical system messages um, in this case that was actually thrown a lot of errors as well um, indicating problems with one of the with one of the volumes um and another very um, quick, easy thing to do is the Docker info command. So the Docker info command will show you um, total disk space and free space um, mm-hmm. for the Docker storage and the metadata. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another, um, you know, very Easy, easy to use tool and you don't have to get too deep in some of this other stuff that's, that's LVM specific. So, um, just a combination of that stuff would have definitely showed indicated that, um, yeah, we are out of Docker storage. There's a, there's a thin, uh, a minimum thin pool, um, size setting in, in Docker. And I think the default on these machines is is something around two gigs. So, and again, that 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 volume is twenty two gigs in size. So, once we ate up more than twenty gigs of storage space, that's when basically things started getting shut down. And said, you know, there's just no more space here. So you can't you can't write anymore. Um, And that's what happened with 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 this particular app is something pushed it over that limit. Um, And at that point, basically. You couldn't do any more writes um, the app was trying to you know write to its local file system for these these cache updates and those were were being rejected because the container could not grow any bigger because there was no docker to space
1: if anyone is listening that is kind of from the rails world and has used Heroku I just this story kind of reminds me of of a truth of using Heroku which is that it from the start just never lets you in your Rails applications that never lets you write locally. Um, and it'll just kick you out. Like it'll just basically throw big old errors at you if you try to write to local disk. Um, and you have to set up other things if you want to, you know, have file attachments and other stuff that, um, that you're writing. And it's sort of a, it's sort of an interesting thing where, where that, you know, very hand held platform as a service would have caught this. Um, and here we've just got to, we've got to be more. Aware ourselves of of not putting state into our containers.
2: Yep, ab- ab- absolutely. It's like in, in, in general, um, you want to keep your treat your containers your containers as immutable um, and and stateless. And, and and part of this is to reduce that um, that mystery of things kind of like just randomly starting to have errors. Um, so you know, it's it's true. You're always you know, as long as you have a machine that you're that you're con, you're configured and you're you're using, um, you have to have some amount of disk space, and so you're always going to come to some point where you know you may run out. But there there's there's two ways to to run out of disk space here. One is like just upon like initiation. So there's there's a certain amount of disk space that Docker is going to need to run a container, right? So there's the the size of the image itself that factors into that. Whether or not it has volumes, um, volume mounts, um. <clears throat> and if there's no if there's not enough disk space to accommodate that, then it's gonna fail on startup right and that's kind of like a better failure right like that's mm-hmm. a it's like we're gonna notice that and I'm like, okay, we can take some action to it versus um like in this particular case, what's happening is like you can imagine like maybe you have like six containers um running on a machine, you start up the seventh one, it starts up just fine, and then you know it's running for a few days and um you know, then it starts failing and it's because, you know, nothing else changed on the machine other than like one of those containers was just continuing to grow, right? Cause it was making these, these file system rights. Um, and that just expands that size of the container on the Docker, um, storage allocation.
1: Right. And, and it could have been any one of the seven because we're not, we're not controlling container disk space. By container, it's just they all have access to that 20 gigs.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly. And not only could it be any one of the seven, it also affects all of the seven. Right, right. <laughs> so if any of those other ones are like writing to slash temp, you know, or something like that, they are going to be affected by this as well, right? Because it's going to sh- basically make it so none of those can do any of these writes. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's important to keep that in mind. I mean, obviously, like there's a You don't have to be super draconian. Like, there is um, useful scenarios for having some scratch space, Um, but definitely clean up after yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, just don't let it grow unbounded. So, if you're using temp files and, you know, make sure you clean them up. Um, Or if it's a cache, like, make sure it's bounded. Don't let it grow unbounded um, type thing. So,
1: it does also feel, I gotta say, it does feel like there's a bit of a missing alert config, though. Um, It seems like, Perhaps we would have had an alert tell us if we would have run close to the end of the eight gigs on the EC2 instance, but nothing was saying, "Hey, you're running out of." Uh, and maybe it's because there's that two gigs that's sort of held aside for that for the Docker, the Docker work, and that felt like open disk space to the to the thing that's monitoring disk space on that instance. But you hear what I'm saying? Like, if we're running out of disk space, something else should probably be telling us that we're getting close to running out of disk space too.
2: Yeah. Um, and I mean, so this is a good point because, you know, out of the box, like there are no cloud watch alarms for disk space. Um, huh. like that, that you, so even for that eight gig root volume that you can see with just DF, um, like you, the, the that's mounted, um, like you have, that's a custom cloud watch, um, a lot you have to you have to make, right? So. your
1: idea, Amazon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and it's even harder, right, for for the Docker stores because this is like an unmounted LVM. Um, partition. Right, right. Yeah, oh. so it's hard
1: to, I, I get that it's hard to keep track of, but
2: yeah, it's sort
1: of, it does feel like, so if AWS doesn't provide it, you know, I don't know, maybe at some point we would get around to, running a custom watcher for
2: that mm-hmm. there. And you know, all the, um, uh, APM companies out there, I think most of them now do support this mm-hmm. in the past, you know, companies like new relic and Datadog, they, they didn't, um, provide mm-hmm. reporting in this, but I'm, I'm almost positive that they do now that they've, they've now updated their, their agents to be able to go and, and see into this and, and to do that. So, um, so it, it's, I, it's absolutely it. possible.
1: It's a complex problem too, because people attach disks in different ways, and they may even have things set up to, you know, grow the amount of storage that they have as needed. So I, it's mm-hmm. not a simple, you know, check the box. Do we do? Do we look at disk space? But yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah, and then some, maybe some other parts of troubleshooting this was then kind of like once we kind of figured out, okay, yeah, we can see that Docker's out of disk space. Um, then the next thing is to see, okay, well, who's the culprit? Right, like who's actually doing this? Um, and one of the um, the techniques that I like to do is so one is knowing where on the file system Docker is is storing these um, these files for all its space for the containers and images and whatnot. Um, by default, that's at var lib Docker. Um, and so if you if you go to varlib docker um, there'll be directories for um, the various things um, like images and containers um, so then if you if you go into the containers directory of that you'll then see um, container ids for all the currently running containers and underneath that is is the actual backing storage for that container. Uh. So so if you go in there and now do something like a DU command, and DU shows the disk space usage on a per directory basis, Mm -hmm. uh, you can now find out which one of those containers is using, um, you know, more storage than seems reasonable. Um, And so in this particular case, we did that, um, looked at it, and it turns out um, the one that was using the most storage space was actually the container that was hosting the ECS agent, um, and so uh, this the the reason for that was the ECS agent. Um, it has its own logging um, that's going to to standard out, standard error. Um, when you when you log to standard out, st- standard error inside a um, Docker container, it's it's got to go somewhere. Um, so it ends up getting getting sent to disk, and so that container space that container grows, and the ECS agent it's part of the the host startup. Um, it's built right, so whenever the host is born, essentially um, that ECS agent is is started, and it just runs the entire time that that machine is up and running. So it's the longest lived running process, uh, container. On, mm-hmm. on those machines always. And I think this particular machine had been up for about five weeks. So over the span of five weeks, the, the verbosity level of the ECS agent had caused like its logs to, to end up being, like I think it was around five or six gigabytes in size. So it took up a significant chunk of the, the Docker disk space. Mm-hmm. Um so that was useful to kind of understand that, which gave us some action items to to go look at the ECS agent configuration and and making sure that it's it's not doing that. It's not as verbose or at the very least, it's it's not sent into standard out, standard error and growing the container. Ah, oh, pretty cool. Well, I'm
1: glad that we I'm glad that A, the Microsoft technique worked of just restarting, and B that we figured out what to do long term. And pretty interesting to to listen to this. And and it is super specific to ECS, but uh, we love ECS, so it's good to talk about it in detail. Um, I think we should wind it up there unless you had anything else you wanted to add, Rich or Chris? Nope, not at all.
0: Nope. Great. Thank you so much. Another good week. We'll talk to you next week. Great. See you guys. Take care. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.